0: Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Bear Guys and Tua T Fitness.
1: Everything sequel contains explicit language. And why the fudge not your melon farmer? <laughs>
0: Today we talk the enforcer, Michael Shantz here of the How Dare You Awards. Coming to the defense, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Hit him, Tom.
1: Let's uh, go and uh, jerk him off. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a hit. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it's not a mark against this movie, far from it. I think if this if this film could do, with story and politics, what it does with comedy and dialogue, right. it would really be something. It, it's, I think the wrong part of this movie is done right. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> That's and the great. right part of it is done wrong. Done wrong. But I, I, I just well, want to... Well, this is obviously going to be the movie we're going to argue the most about. Right, but I wanted to start on a positive note because I have nothing but admiration for this movie in terms of written dialogue
0: mm-hmm.
1: and com- a comedy both with the actors and the writers. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's interesting because normally when a movie is... Funny in spite of itself, it's to do with the actors kind of, you know, raising the bar. But
0: mm-hmm. I think
1: here it's it's in the script too. But in all other respects, this script is lousy. I think. Hmm. Um. But in terms of quote, in terms of quotable dialogue, sure, best movie in the series, <laughs> possibly, possibly in terms of performance, performances, best series, best movie in the yeah, series. Yeah. Right. I think the best performances are of the series of the sequels, at least. Certainly, Tyne Daly is great in this movie. Tyne Daly is great. She's great with Eastwood. Yeah, particularly. Uh, you know we've got Bradford Dillman. We've yeah. got the mayor, who that quotable came from, who is a wonderful character actor. We've sure. already talked about the hippie priest. We didn't talk about Albert Popplewell as Mustafa. oh which is a complete scene, scene stealing scene stealer, turn, right? And it feels like well, that's what's great about this series, regardless of what you think about the individual movie, because in each of these movies, there's a scene stealing kind of performance from someone. Yeah. Almost you could set your watch by it. Right. Uh, at least one. This movie has about five or six. I would say. <laughs> I think I, oh, uh, Bradford Dillman almost runs away with this movie, <laughs> <laughs> right from under, right from underneath Clint Eastwood. Yeah. <laughs> in a way that I'm entire, I entirely Captain approve McKay. Of. I, the, in a way that I entirely approve of. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna speak ill of the movie from that perspective. I mean, so
0: I mean, your biggest problem has to do with the gender politics and the lack of
1: plotting and the we the screenplay. Apart from, I'll the, agree with that. The plotting, from for the, sure. From, aside from dialogue, the screenplay is very weak. It's 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 a they instead of a screenplay, they have a map of San Francisco. Yeah, and at really and the movie shows. does just sort of bump along. Yeah.
0: You and know. and
1: sequences that should be very exciting also bump along, yeah, in right. ways that are uh, baffling. And maybe right. you know, maybe you can maybe you can sort of say that 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 is partly because they are working so hard on comedy. Sometimes, like it feels like a lot of mm. the action sequences kind of go off the rails in service of of comedy, like good comedy, comedy that works. But at the price of a decent action sequence sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's starting to get a little meta, too,
0: because when, you know, when Eastwood sees Popwell, we're starting to get dialogue like, I don't know, he looks familiar from somewhere. (laughs) Right, yes. That kind of thing, you know? (laughs) Uh, And of course, I mean, we've referenced this before, but for those listening... Popwell is in all of these movies except the last one playing a different character in each movie. Yeah. So we're getting the sort of meta joke now.
1: From... And, Bradford, and Bradford Dillman. Well it, Yeah, it, right. We'll yeah, talk about that, in that so, as well. He Which, I in... again,
0: I did not know no. until I had... I mean, I couldn't believe it when I saw two different character names between the two movies. Well, I mean, we're not
1: talking about this specifically yet, but... Does does Horace King need to be someone different than Mustafa? Not really. <laughs> right. Albert Papua playing the same role, in the, the same function in the next uh-huh. movie. Right. Even though he's playing a different character. As is uh, Bradford Dillman, so... It's, it's odd. There's some very odd continuity choices in this so, series. Right, the choices. And yet they keep giving us the, the actors that <laughs> we love and deserve to come back, so it's really hard to hold it against the movies. Exactly, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you haven't clued in yet, we are talking about The Enforcer, a 1976 sequel directed by James Fargo. I didn't look. It. I mean, he's done caravans. He did
1: every which way but loose. So no, got... really? Yeah. That you, you know, I should have looked. Uh, that's on me not for looking that up, but I'm glad I didn't because I actually have the note that there's a couple of moments in this movie that feel more like every which way but loose. Yeah. than A dirty Harry movie. <laughs> exactly. I think you well, I think, you know, which moments I might be talking about. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> not that there's an orangutan in this movie. I, I was gonna say there's not.
0: Just just to make
1: it clear to everyone,
0: but Ruth Gordon this. will think not make
1: an appearance. Consider but... this for a second: if if Harry's uh, partner at the beginning of the movie was an orangutan rather than <laughs> an old fat guy who likes pasta. Right. Would it really make that much difference?
0: No, yeah. <laughs> but also, that's a that's a character from previous movies, too. So, I mean, you know... We get a
1: couple of them in here. We, like yeah. This, this movie's probably the most... Uh, cares most about in-world continuity. Right. Because we have Bressler, and... I only know him as Linguini. What's his actual name? <laughs> I'm trying to... I think he's only referred to by Harry as Linguini. So,
0: John Mitchell... Uh, is it Mitchum or Mitch? I can't even read my own writing. Yeah, John Mitchum. But he's de, he's DiGiorgio,
1: Giorgio. to yeah, and Bressler's yeah. the other one, right? And it's that's Harry Gardino, and it is not a face you easily forget. So I <laughs> last time I saw Dirty Harry was about ten years ago, and as soon as I saw that guy, I was like, Oh yeah, You're he's like, in Hey, Daddy that Harry. guy. Yeah, 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 exactly. You don't forget a face like that. you don't that.
0: forget Harry Gardino. I mean, like that guy was was always on 1980s television as 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 a bad guy constantly
1: well he's he's a, Which he's leads a, me back to James he's a cop- Fargo in this, but I wouldn't necessarily call him a good guy.
0: Right, yeah. <laughs> Which leads me back to James Fargo cuz I mean after this movie there's you know a lot of television in his life. Tales of the Golden Monkey, the you know A-Team, Scarecrow and Mrs. King. Mm. Sidekicks, Hunter,
1: I have heard of fifty percent of those. Okay. See, these are and all the ones I know. The thing, the thing is, sadly, if you tell me someone's directed the A Team, I think more of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I know, I know that was a tight ship. I don't. I right. Don't, Stephen J. Cannell's not, not you know, he's not fucking any around. direct his his <laughs> the greatest TV series of all time. You know. I just remember saying at one point, dude, B.A.
0: has to be awake on a plane this week.
1: (laughs) Otherwise, we can no longer we we can no longer suspend disbelief that he doesn't know what's going on. Right.
0: (laughs) But uh, in this movie, we're dealing with. You know, sort of a journeyman director, but but not a Ted Post. He doesn't have the vision that we saw, that we were talking about in, in you know, our last episode. This movie, uh, I think we said uh, 70% on Rotten Tomatoes, which still seems weak to me. But, you know, 70% for uh, Magnum Force, 69% for The Enforcer, Tom,
1: just under. That's because people don't know what movie is what. (laughs) I guarantee you. That is why they're so close together. They're like... If it's the movie I think it is, I'm going to give it 69% <laughs> cuz I'm not cuz I'm not confident that it's it's not That's and not how Rotten Tomatoes works. Each,
0: each each reviewer doesn't say I'll give it 69%. <laughs> well, you have me there. All right. Uh This movie also has <laughs> it outpaces Magnum Force on a budget of nine million dollars, opening weekend of eight point eight million dollars, forty six point two million in the USA and the world, and I believe the last movie topped out at thirty seven point nine or something like that. It feels so, bigger in scale. So yeah, I mean we're we have not yet reached the law of diminishing returns, which uh sadly doesn't start until the next movie
1: with with regards to finances?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh good. Okay.
0: Well, and I'm... critical response. Okay, well, yeah. The I'm... critical response gets less with each movie. They yeah. make less money as they go on. So you have the law of diminishing mm. returns, which we kind of is sort of its own embass in terms of sequels.
1: Yep, yep. Uh absolutely. but I'd also
0: like to talk about the embass of the cold open. This is the only uh, Dirty Harry movie that chooses to do
1: a cold open. Oh, interesting! You're right. Yeah. Um. Oh, fun. Yeah, fantastic. Which is interesting for a couple of reasons. This the, obviously the the fact that it's a the Nimbus, but I would also say it makes it feel more like a TV cop show.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah.
1: We have the cold open and then the title sequence, which is. The, the you know theme music over a helicopter shot of the city skyline mm-hmm. with Harry ride driving around the city. it feels like the beginning of Kojak.
0: <laughs> right. So
1: those two things together um, I think say a lot about the direction they're going with mm-hmm. uh, with this movie. What did you think of the the, the content of the Cold open?
0: Well, again, i i i was I was struck like I was in the last
1: movie about how violent they are. Well, yeah, you know, it felt it's interesting because it, it's it's definitely putting the idea of how we treat women front and center thematically. Sure. So it's a relevant cold open to the themes of the movie. However, it it you know that ambiguity about where you stand in relation to the issue of feminism also seems to be there, from mm. minute one. Yeah, because we have a woman who's both. We we she's. We know she's being objectified. She's both nefarious and she's being objectified. Right. But yeah. So. Uh. I mean, my my operational theory about this movie is that it's written by people who have boned up on feminism but are here to take it down
0: it's again coming... i think we just sort of fundamentally disagree on that like but so- someone we're gonna someone get on into that. writing
1: team has read visual pleasure and narrative cinema by laura mulvey <laughs> which came out the year before definitely because it's all quoted almost verbatim in the movie by time daily so oh is that right they know what's going on they just don't like it Interesting. Um, but beside that, I also thought you know you can immediately see that they want to drag the level of political discussion back to something simpler in the way of the original Dirty Harry, like yes, hippie killer with a knife, right? You no, know? you don't need to think too much about that. Yeah. <laughs> but, so yeah, but I mean, it begins like a slasher, and again, right. this is like you know, it's it's. We're back to demonizing counterculture and we're back to kind of a a pure horror style of storytelling. But you know, the
0: first movie you have sort of the lone wolf killer. Right, right. You know, then you go to this this group of cops and we're keeping the group dynamic. You know, this 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 group that's working together. Yeah. Uh, to whatever, oh, take down the city, yeah.
1: you know. Uh, so they're they're keeping aspects of both. That's fascinating. It is like a mashup of the two, isn't it? You've yeah. You've got a you've got a, a a group dynamic with a lone wolf in charge. Right. 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 Because, exactly. Uh, what's his name? Bobby? No, is this his name? Yeah, Bobby Maxwell. Oh God, I can't believe I pulled that name. Um, Bobby. Debra and Max, Book Walter, Maxwell, I think it's made very clear. Bobby Maxwell is is out there for himself. Right. And. I suppose you could also and cuckoo argue, for
0: cocoa puffs.
1: I, I suppose you could argue everyone in that kind of motley crew of radicals is just serving their own interests. No one is. Yeah, but but, but it, and,
0: and in that way, this movie does suffer because he's net because because they're a group and because he sets himself as the leader of the group, but like apart from them, he's he's never as interesting. And he's trying to screw them.
1: He's right, trying to screw yeah. them
0: as much as he's trying to screw the police. So he's never going to be
1: as as interesting as yeah. uh, Scorpio is. Which I, I find I wish they'd find a dramatic. You're absolutely right. It it makes them kind of pointless as villains. Right. But that's the I, that's I the like, one thing that
0: really I, I I that that this is the biggest thing I count against. I the movie.
1: and I agree with you. It's a big thing for me. Um. I wish they'd have found a dramatic way to make it work, because I do think it speaks to a truth about the, the and this comes up later in the movie when we get to Mustafa, you uh-huh. know, that what's changed since the days of Scorpio is that, you know, the hippie movement. You don't have has... Andrew Robinson. <laughs> well, no, but the hippie movement is kind of organized into, you know, various kind of radical groups. Yeah, right. And that's what this movie is reflecting. But and I think I think they were historically a ragtag, you know, these this ragtag motley crew. I mm-hmm. think that's probably what they were like in reality. The problem is it doesn't work dramatically in the frame of this movie, because they're not a threat at any time. Yeah. To anyone. Right. Because they're idiots. But I think they probably that groups like that probably were full of idiots true (laughs) and i just think i think if you could if you could find a way to make the movie relies
0: on the movie relies on you know when they kill that old man or stab that old man yeah when they're get you know this is close to the beginning of the
1: movie
0: Mm -hmm. uh i think they're relying on the the brutality of that to carry weight definitely far more than it is
1: they've gone into i mean this so this is post Texas Chainsaw Massacre, same year as Carrie, right? So there's probably more Mm -hmm. of a consciousness of we can, we can, you know, we can build the violence to this horror level, yeah. And that can be our movie, I Mm -hmm. think. There's there's a sense of that, but it is also a police procedural, and and it doesn't really work in those terms. Yeah. Um,
0: Meanwhile, Harry has fallen apart, fallen upon yet another crime. I, By I was going to say, Harry,
1: Harry intervening in an ongoing crime has become a, tve- a convention of the series. Yeah. But <laughs> um, there's this sort of two in succession, and the first one is, it's kind of a reversal of the tragedy comedy rule, because the first one is the comedic one. Yeah, right. Which is where he stumbles upon Freddy the Fainter. Yeah. In a restaurant. And this is whose what favorite I mean. like part
0: this, is the ride to the uh,
1: everything about hospital this and is, the ambulance. This is what I mean about the comedy working. Everything about this scene is, is good. Right, right down to the fact that at the end of it, Freddy says, you know, yeah, but I missed the ride in the ambulance. I mean, that's a great <laughs> so good. punchline to that whole scene. Yeah, And the fact that you legitimately think something bad is happening and you know in the middle of the scene it's all turned around and Harry's just reveals that he's a con artist but I just love that Harry's driving down the street
0: and finds this this, (laughs) he finds Freddy the Fainter and then two minutes later an actual robbery in progress he cannot go one city block without (laughs) finding something crazy happening in the city of San Francisco
1: and it's like Harry's such a cut up in this movie he really like is. From day one, I mean, he says, "I may have to move fast, so I don't need all this linguini slowing me down." Right. Uh, you know, it's it's looks like. But that's a reference to the first movie, I oh, think. Oh, okay. I did, well, there you go. When, it's a, uh it's a great line. Yeah, because there's
0: something about De Giorgio where he's. I think he says it's his favorite pasta, or there's something. Yeah. There's something to do with it in the first movie.
1: Interesting. So it's yeah. also it's a it's a It's a callback. It's a callback. Yeah. Uh, but it's also very fun. Like it's very funny, and then. When we get to the, you know, the um, the store with the hostages... The, the, right. It, it is, again, it's like we've, we, we've got to change up the maverick method by which Harry right. arrests the criminals in the hostage situation. <laughs> and there's, the solution here is ram-raiding the store. Yes, just, just drive the car right but, into the which, front. You know, I, I like lo- that. And love I don't that. think we... I oh think I great. think it's hysterical. It is hysterical. I also
0: we haven't talked about this yet I don't think about the repeated things in these movies but I you know it's so McGarnacle. I I love I love that every time one of these things happens the next scene you see is him at the office being told how much damage he's caused. Right. Oh my God, it's sublime to me when they're talking about you took out two front doors yeah. and the front of a bar, not to mention one patrol car. You're like, you you, you owe us $37,000. Right. Oh, it's
1: great. And we're back, to, you know, we're sort of... we At the end of Magnum Force, you had quite a complicated idea of of what the police stood for in society. But I yeah. think this movie reasserts the idea that, you know... Harry is is the the lone wolf hamstrung by bureaucracy. I was gonna every, say the bureaucracy of it all. Every police officer only cares about the criminal. They don't care about the victims. They kind of reset to that point, which which I think is where you ended up in Dirty Harry. So we sort of missed out a we've kind of missed out a movie's worth of of um right kind of uh, storytelling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Not for we and we'll reset again two or three more times um and speaking of kind of resets what's this musical chair going on with harry and homicide yeah like how often is he in homicide versus being transferred out of it that's the other thing that i took away
0: was like (laughs) this guy is barely in homicide (laughs) in every single movie and And just the the ease with which he moves from like he's on stakeout now now he's going to personnel (laughs) And okay, there's been
1: a murder. We need you back in yeah. homicide. It's, it's it's one thing to and you, we've talked about this extensively. I'm not going to re-litigate it, but um we we've talked about, you know, you've got to accept ex- you've got to suspend disbelief belief that he didn't resign at the end of the first yeah, right. movie. All this kind of transfer business is not making this easier to take.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> is he a police
1: officer or is he not? <laughs> That's all I need to know. <laughs> But I kind of find it, I mean, we're what, we're three movies in, and the scene that kind of struck me as a a, like, oh, Harry's sort of, regardless of the fact that every time he goes in an office, someone says, you know, all the damage you've done, and you're getting transferred and or demoted, um, that he still seems to be responsible for a lot of the police education, yeah, exactly. And that's a disturbing scene. Right. Because it's sort of, it, it's, especially, you know, as I said, I've been watching David Simon's We On the City, and it's like, you know, as police officers get more dangerous, Complicated. They're, also get, they're getting, you know, it's kind of like, they're getting promoted at the same rate. And that seems yeah. to be what's happening here. Because he's responsible <laughs> for educating other police officers, even though they know he's a fucking maniac. Right. Um... But in this movie, that's kind of shrugged off as just like, well, you know, and the only problem is he was late. It's not that he's doing this job at all. Th- yeah, exactly. <laughs> but on the flip
0: side of that, I mean, we've we've talked about it because the gang in this movie is called the People's Revolutionary Strike Force. And I don't know if that's supposed to be taken
1: seriously or is a joke. I don't think so. I think, what year was Life of Brian? Ooh. I'm going to look that up because that, that makes me think of the People's Republic of Judea from right. Life of Brian, which is satire of, well, both... 79, so it's pre-Life of Brian, which is satire of both the move towards radicalism in the 1970s and, you know, the historical reality that, um, right of, of biblical times. So um, I think there's a little poke at... Because when, when, you, when you first see that gang they are just a ragtag bunch oh yeah i mean they then you they're nervous they're feeble they're just con it's like a
0: con you imagine men. the team Ex, up yeah you imagine the team up before it and it's like johnny you're the bottle cap sally you're the stick what you're going to do is ah fuck it let's just go in yeah
1: exactly <laughs> you know no it, it, completely um and you know they they're they're kind of cobbled together from various different from the extreme wings of various different movements yeah. Mustafa wants nothing to, I mean you know the fact Mustafa is like as competent a radical as we see and he steals yeah. stuff from a holiday inn right, right. so what, what? like these guys <laughs> they're not even as good as Mustafa
0: <laughs> that's great well uh, we're about to meet Tyne Daly so why don't we take a yeah, break and then we'll come good, back
1: that's a good point to, yeah absolutely uh, alright let discussions commence <laughs> right after this everyone They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherfers, guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer.
0: And we're back. We are here, Tom and I, talking about the Enforcer... Directed, of course. I don't know about of course, but it's <laughs> directed by of James Fargo. <laughs> <laughs> that was generous on my part. <laughs> well, as we were saying before we went to break, uh, about now is when we meet Tyne Daly. It is.
1: Um... Now,
0: is this... Uh... Well, tell me your thoughts about this scene. I mean, you you, well, you, you have more problems reflects, with the...
1: None of this reflects on Tyne Daly. No, I mean, no, I, yeah. I love her in this. I love her in Cagney and Lacey. It is pretty, like, given that I'm already... The, the, the movie's already making me think about TV cop shows. It is kind of crazy that at this point, Tyne Daly turns up, who retrospectively... Mm-hmm. Is gonna be is gonna be known as you know one of the most as famous a TV cop, right? Yeah, one of the most famous TV cops of all time. Um, I wonder how much that this factored into that. Of course, you know I don't think this is genuinely feminist police drama, and Cagney and Lacey is, but right, it's kind of funny that it, it's sort of the promise of everything you could do. With this character sort of comes out in Cagney and Lacey more or less, <laughs> so I'm glad she had that, and I'm glad they used her for that later. Um, and it, I think this scene, is, you know, this scene is a mixed bag. It's very, you know, Harry's sexism Harry and miso- feels miso- manic misogyny. in this in this scene. Harry, you know, Harry's sexism and misogyny is very clear. It's met with appropriate resistance from the women in the room. Yeah and that is important um but i yeah i sort of it's so at this point i'm i'm not But too, do you ever have
0: the sense that harry could give a shit that it's a woman? He cares
1: about whether or not she's actually man but, or
0: woman good enough right, to be on the street.
1: It, but what does it say about the fact that our hero is you know, how much are we supposed to see this through Harry's viewpoint?
0: Right. Are we spo-
1: oh, You're right and, about and this, that in the sense of because
0: the other movies are kind of presenting his viewpoint as always the right
1: viewpoint. Right. And that's what, you know, that's what Laura Mulvey was talking about, you know, with, with it's not just the male gaze, it's the fact that movies are made through the male viewpoint. Right. The camera is the equivalent of a male, a male POV. Mm-hmm. Traditionally in Hollywood cinema and knowing all that, it's kind of you're actively asking the viewer to stand against your hero. Yeah, right. If you are to read read the scene as you know, if you to read the scene at face value, uh, the the female um, civilian police officer in this scene. So says, I expect you are one of those men who think a woman's place is in the home. Right. You know, she chides him for that. Eventually, Tyne Daly kind of snaps back at him. Yeah. With all his shit, so like this scene would be easier to sort of read. But you also get the sense better, that, that better for, as better for women. It were we not see, you know, were we not kind of conditioned to see Harry's viewpoint as the be all and end all of what we should be thinking? Yeah. But isn't there
0: a moment in that scene when she does do that that Harry clocks
1: it? It's possible I did I didn't notice it. Um I got the sense that he okay. was noticing
0: there she's I mean, green, she's yeah. inexperienced, but there might be something there.
1: Yeah, and and this comes up later again like I think I think they're they're trying to balance the old screenplay trope of Uh, when it comes to physical action, women are always in the way and making bad decisions in the field. Mm. With, it's institutionalized sexism that means this woman has never got out of the office before. Yeah. And that's why. Yeah, right. That's why she can't handle street work. It's because no one's given her the chance. Right. But, it's not clear which camp this movie falls into. Sometimes. Well, yeah. And I think,
0: You might be right about that in the sense of at least at this point in the movie, our hero doesn't know how to feel about that. And I think we are watching this through the lens of his eyes. Hmm. And so that's why the movie is unsure.
1: Right. But then, I mean, all she has to do is meet his standards of what a woman should be, which is a very low bar. I don't think it's... I don't think it's that. Okay.
0: I don't think it's his standards of what a woman should be. I think it's his standards
1: of what a cop should be. And she she which makes is, that bar. Which is to die for him. Well. Or get or get injured in the line of duty. But, yes. However. <laughs> like. Two of his partners die in this movie. I know. Which sort of uh, but I'm having flashbacks. I'm having. needed to die. Okay.
0: I'm having flashbacks of an argument that I had with Matt on the other podcast, on the '82 podcast about Rocky three, which he found as abhorrently racist, where like a black man has and to did we both
1: we both find like a black man has racist.
0: to serve a white man and make him the champion again.
1: Yeah, but you know there are oh aren't... if this if this movie if this movie had a good story. i'd still be calling it a good movie right like i'm not saying rocky's not racist (laughs) just because it's a good movie right (laughs) but there's there's more than just this wrong with the movie i think but but at the same time it's like i think it was a missed opportunity i think in rocky
0: 3 you already have a character his name's apollo creed he's already been the champion he's no longer the champion. If Mickey's dead and you're going to bring one Buckeye back to train Rocky, it would be that character.
1: Hmm.
0: So I get that it happens to be a black man who's trying to make a white man the champion again. But you're dealing with what you had already brought along when you said this charismatic, wonderful champion was a black man. In this yeah, movie, I don't think
1: I don't think that's part that part's racist. I think the fact that he has to accept Paulie's view of the world is what makes it racist. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> that's all. We, can't, whole, go, we the, can't go back. We, to we can't that. go back. We spent back and entirely legislate. too much time on this yes. podcast talking about Rocky Three and other podcasts. But I
0: feel the uh, same way about this movie in the sense of Time Daly. Uh, what I what I what I what I. What I clue into with this movie what i really loved about this movie was this which is otherwise a fairly hapless scene like you said the action scenes that should have more action or be more interesting but this long chase this foot chase uh where clint eastwood is going over rooftops Oh, my God. Chasing, you know, this this, you know, I think it's even at this point, just a guy he recognizes. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, oh, absolutely. (laughs) This is not important business. No, but the part that I love about it is that. The movie is saying that Tyne Daly is a woman. So she can't run as fast as Clint. Right. She's right. wearing heels, so she can't run
1: as fast as Clint. Yet she's essentially comedic because she's a woman trying to do a job of a man. See, so I don't think that, I don't find the movement. Uh, I don't. I don't know that it's that comedic. What I liked about it was she doesn't run like that. You watch Cagney and Lacey. That is all. Oh, like, okay. Yeah. That is all clowning. But I. What I liked
0: was that she is able to follow everything that Clint's doing. And they take the time to show her problem solving. She's looking at the roof. She's watching the both yeah. men jump. Then she goes somewhere else. I, I agree by the in time that scene, they get into, yeah. isn't it? Is it the church?
1: Yes, that that ends in the, that. So sequence by the ends time the they,
0: that Clint catches him in the in the church, it's three seconds later when Tyne Daly busts through the door and says, "Everybody freeze," which shows. That she's... But, in a,
1: but in a church, and so she <laughs> shouldn't be pulling a gun there. <laughs> this is what I mean. I think all the things you're saying are right, but it can, but this movie can never sustain a positive representation of a woman. It flounders. You mean because she chooses to pull her gun in church? Well, that's one example, but there's a ton of other examples. It's, it's. You, you, they never stick the line la- You know, if 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 this is the point they're trying to make, and I don't think it is. Because
0: to me, it's sort of straight up cop stuff. Like it doesn't matter. They they're chasing the suspect. Of course, she's gonna pull her gun in church because she's a cop, and that's what cops do.
1: Hmm. And I'll say, I don't think she. I don't think she com- overall. I don't think she comes out well. Comes out well from that scene. And I think that's the problem. Even if oh, see, own... not for me. Their it own... was different for me. Okay. That's the, for me. I, I, well, I,
0: yeah, I was seeing her intelligence at work, in, in following this suspect, just as well as Harry did in a completely different way. I loved seeing all of that.
1: But then they have the. And then otherwise didn't know way too long the whole time shitty scene. Sorry, and then you said what? She didn't know she, she didn't know she had a bomb the whole time. So we have to point that out. That's because that it was, was locked character- in a case. Right. Okay. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think this movie is doing women any favors at any point. Sorry. All right. I think you can do better in 1976. I really do. I don't think this is not well, 1952. No. I mean, can- I mean, I might
0: agree with that, but I'm also, you know, we're also within the confines of a goddamn Dirty Harry movie.
1: It always undoes its good work. Always, that's what I. All right. Um, I mean, you've you've skipped to that, which is a Okay, first of all, no, I got I got something I got to talk about. All right. We we also skipped over the fact that Harry loses a partner. Yeah. Early on in the movie, which makes you think that Time Daily is safe for the rest of the movie. <laughs> Which is another another grievance on my part. Um Uh It's not entirely clear why they're at that at the docks, is it? Or did I miss something? Why are those homicide detectives there? Except that they need to be there to get shot. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I was waiting for an explanation where they said you know they moonlight as security guards or something, but or yeah they're on stakeout or something, so, something. But then I, I don't know. But then it goes back to Magnum Force. It's like there's no reason for the snack bar to be at the airport except that we're going to do an airport yeah. set piece. Yeah, and I think it's the same here. We're doing a dock set piece, so they're at the docks for some reason. <laughs> um, the line "It's a war, isn't it?" which is the wid uh, Linguini's widow says, mm-hmm. after he's getting the last rights. And it's really funny, because i just seen the finale to we Own, uh, we Own the City, David Simon, the HBO show. And they talk about that from the opposite perspective. There's actually, there's like a, there's a veteran police officer who says, the problem is, we treat policing as a war. That's why everything's gone wrong. Right. Whereas here... She's saying we need to look at it like a war. That's the only way we're right. going to solve this problem. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just fascinating to me. It is it, you know you you can Well that's funny because, because it's
0: it's prescient in the sense of, you know, that's what would become. The yeah. police forces
1: oh, and did she, and they she, became she, militarized. She's not wrong, but yeah. she's clearly advocating for a war. Right. Um you know and that the right and left should be in battle in society mm-hmm. so that we should treat it that way um and we you know we've already talked said Bressler is a ret- is a legacy character and actor um sort of complements how this movie is sort of reshading the dirty hairiness uh of the series uh-huh what kind of joint is Brestler running did you see what was on the wall of that office <laughs> did Wait. you notice there's a rubber chicken
0: oh that i didn't notice
1: there's a rubber chicken there attached a poster? to the wall there's posters of cows necking. <laughs> what the fuck is this place? I can't let this pass. You can't put this on screen and not refer to it. How dare you? This is a working police office. Why is there a rubber chicken on the wall? <laughs> I don't remember that. See so a clown in his best time? What the fuck is going on? Um, oh, that's great. Yeah, I've said that Tyne Daly and Clint Eastwood, they play each- play off each other so well. I like the contract. The character contrasts, you know, she's fast talking, she moves fast, he's slow and... Si- right. Well, I, the, the Eastwood's walk is amazing. He walks fast and slow at the same time. I know. I, I mean, Timothy Oliphant is the only other person who... Yeah, right, 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 right. That's great. He just like... It's like, I look at him and I go... He looks like he's moving slow, but I've just seen the distance he's covered, and that's faster well, than I can walk th- it. Yeah, the other thing about Clint is, like, when you when you listen to
0: other actors who have to act with Clint, they talk about, like, don't you dare get too big, because <laughs> because Clint is just Clint is just even and steady, you know. Yeah. And you're going to you're going to look like a clown in in makeup and paint and uh, with a beach ball if you go too nuts because he's just, you know, he's so deliberate.
1: And yeah, no, I I, I throughout this
0: movie, I keep thinking of the one word marvelous. I love it every time he says marvelous. (laughs) Marvelous.
1: And then we get into the rocket launcher demonstration. Yeah. And we, this series loves, loves its hardware. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, this is special guest gun of the movie. <laughs> yeah, right? absolutely. Every movie from yeah. this point has a special guest gun. Yeah. Um, oh, and... I can't
0: wait to get to, to Deadpool,
1: but... I know. <laughs> <laughs> It transcends the boundary of what we consider guns. Yes. Never mind. <laughs> um, so, and this is where, you know, this is what I was talking about, the old screenplay cliche of the woman's literally in the way. Mm-hmm. Like she, does, she doesn't know enough to know to get out of the way of a backfiring. No, yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, and then we have the conversation, which again brings in, like, legacy stuff of Harry's partners always die or they get mm-hmm. injured. Um, and a reenactment of the morgue scene from Magnum Force, right? Where early gets all squeamish and she does the same. So she is very much fitting into a the mold to a of mold Harry of Barton. of
0: a of a green partner of someone who you know yeah. hasn't been on the job long.
1: And then we get a, a moment where, and I so that's getting... one of the
0: things that I keep thinking about with this movie in terms of the gender because. You have that scene and it does call back to a previous scene with a previous partner who's also who's a male. And yeah. so it's more fitting that mold of of the new partner as opposed to uh you know a woman who can't handle being in
1: but it also means that she's automatically doomed to failure. And given that they already killed one of Harry's partners in this movie, I think they could have broken the mold a little bit on that one anyway. All right. We're not there yet. we're not there yet. I, get, yeah. I, I liked I liked how Bre, uh, how Bresler's Bresla's misogyny was like very on the surface. Yeah. I kept right. waiting for the scene where I kept waiting for the moment where Harry was like, No, this is my new partner. Right. But it never came. And no, it reminds yeah, it doesn't. you that he knows she's she's an inspector. He's still gonna talk to her that way. Right. And I think that reflects a greater reality than then if they made that scene a comic setup where he you know he thought she was the, like a legal secretary or something mm-hmm. um but again like fucking bresler this guy is a mess <laughs> <laughs> and about here i've got that we get into the foot chase which we've talked about yeah. i just want to talk about it from the point of view of music <laughs> i started off really <laughs> liking the music this is not lalo shafran by the way doing the music for this one i don't think um, oh, I, I don't. I didn't look. I don't remember. I think this is the only one he didn't do. Okay. Um, but it starts off this this awesome flute jazz, um, mm-hmm. which I really liked. And then the music, the progression of the music, doesn't really fit the chase. It's like it's like it. That scene was written without having ever watched the scene, right? Because it turns into like big band swing, completely unmotivated. Is this the movie where they fall into the porno shooting? This is it. That's funny, what... right? <laughs> they 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 have a you know foot chase which seems to go like through every landmark in oh, man. San Francisco, and then they fall into a porno set. Yeah. Um... <laughs> this movie kind of never misses a chance to to sort of have that comic button on the scene. <laughs> it pulls exactly the same thing later on. Yeah. Or you think you're going one place, and you're you're going into something which is like sexy and titillating and uh, like saucy. I can't think of a better word like risque. <laughs> yeah. the The movie does uh, does that later, and and after this seemingly endless scene, <laughs> um, <laughs> we get into the Mustafa scene where you know we see what yes. a, what a what a militant, black militant group actually looks like um and this is a this is a problematic scene overall i would say (laughs) (laughs) it's i mean you know there's there's parts of it where there's parts of it I, i like i like there's parts of it i like yeah
0: you know harry is treating him like like they're on the same level you know what i mean just just mm. cop to criminal kind of level.
1: like. I think it's more. that's more Mustafa treating Harry like an equal than Harry treating Mustafa like an equal. He tries to knock him down at any point. Mustafa's the only one who's like saying, you and me, we're the same. It's the police that are the problem. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of that's coming from Harry. No, but what I mean is, I mean, you know,
0: Harry goes in there with a specific intent of, like, striking a deal. And they do strike a deal. And then the cops work against him. Oh, yeah. I,
1: like, I love that. You know, they're just bungling bureaucrats. Aren't right. They? Exactly. They the wrong. They they're, they're They are even more racist than Harry because they think this is a black militant job. Right. Exactly. Whereas we as the audience know it's a blonde white guy in charge of everything. <laughs>
0: um,
1: and no matter what Harry says, he can't get the cops off this idea. Well, Bradford Dillman, it's like the Keenstone Cops he's running when they come in. I love it. It's it's yeah. it's very funny. The way they <laughs> bumble into every situation and completely get the Just wrong Just muck end of the up stick. the works, yeah. Yeah. Um but I, I mean I had some problems representationally with this barbershop scene. The way that Harry sort of sets the guys in there to sort of rape Tyne Daly as sort of a decoy not too comfortable with that it's like go out of boys and then he goes in the back talks to mustafa and we're just and as an audience we're supposed to think hey it's kind of funny this possibility that they might rape her yeah all right <laughs> i can <laughs> um but the mustafa scene itself i guess
0: i guess, is, I guess uh, like what i was thinking of in the moment was more uh Like, directly, rape wasn't exactly on my mind. It was like, these guys are going to be giving you shit. Can you handle yourself? It was like a test to me.
1: I think... I love when he walks back out and she's sitting there talking to to them. Which means... He's throwing her to the wolves, which means that that shows what the opinion of both of them. Yeah, all right. You know what I mean? Like, they're...
0: um... But see, I guess in my mind, I always think of Harry as, you know... Harry is set up, even in the first movie, Harry is set up yeah. as like a bigot. Yes, absolutely. But he we doesn't... never forget that. You know, he, like... The, doesn't like anyone. The cavalcade, the line, like it? one cop says... Harry hates
1: everybody. Yeah, the
0: yeah. cavalcade of, of, of racial epithets that, you know, he hates these people and these people and these people, and it's always a terrible thing he's saying. And then his partner says, how does he feel about... I forget what he says, Mexican-Americans or whatever he mm. says. And Harry winks and says, especially Spicks.
1: Mm.
0: But it's, you know, so he's a bigot, but really at his core, he's known as a man who doesn't give a shit about anybody. But I think he's more of a man who expects the best from everybody. It's like you can either do the job or you can't. And I don't care if you're black or white or Mexican or a woman. You You can either do it or
1: not. I'd be more... I'd embrace that argument more if it wasn't what racists say about themselves to get out of being called racist. <laughs> it's like I'm an equal opportunities offender. Right. I right. go have a go. At them. It's like why are you having a go at anyone? Yeah. <laughs> and why? And why do I only hear you having a go, at people? And maybe power? that's a product of the time too. <laughs> so, oh, it is totally. You know. Yeah. yeah. It's but I, I'm curious accepted. as to
0: what the intent was for Harry. It's, is, is it like Archie Bunker?
1: Like, are you just That's a bigot? That's really interesting point. That's a really interesting point. I I think it's like a slippery Archie Bunker, isn't huh. it? Where you're sort of set up as a, which uh, arguably Archie Bunker is also a slippery Archie Bunker. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like you set them up a, a, as a bigot, and then people start to identify with the bigot, and you're like, oh, fuck, I wrote a bigot and everyone loves him. Right. What do we do now? And there's that's a lot of dirty Harry, you know. It's sort of like everyone. I mean, this is the you know to to sort of uh, for me to um, uh, conform to everyone's prejudices. It's like James Bond. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> right, yeah. you know Fleming originally wrote him as a as a misogynist and and a bigot and. Not that he didn't, you know, he had overlap. The writer himself had overlap with that for sure, but he was specifically written that way. And when the world embraces him, you have to spend the next 50, 60 years trying to like, how do you manage trying to that wrestle for an with it? You're trying to wrestle with it. Yeah, and I think the the same the same here. Yet yeah, there is precedent in this series of how you can manage that in a way that is not as offensive as this. So that also makes me want to. You know, not let this movie off the hook as much right. as I possibly could, because this movie has solutions for for putting Harry's uh, worldview in a kind of context where you can see outside it. I just don't think this movie works. Maybe hard it's a lack to... of
0: practice too. This movie deals with race far more than it does with
1: gender, obviously. So, yeah. It, it, so it's well... but but then I'm I'm but I I like I mean I love the scene in City Hall. Yeah the the way that the, you know they make them like you know darlings they're, of the press yeah they're gonna the they're gonna boys, put them out there the diversity as... so right. that I mean you know that speaks to a you know and that, a... so that's what I mean though that this movie seems oh it understands what's going on yeah like the the movie but seems more conscious the, it doesn't fall down on the right side of it all but right. it understands what's going on all because... right let's
0: take another break and then we'll we'll and come also
1: back. what makes this scene work is the way is like. Time Daly's embarrassed reaction really drives the point right, home. Right, The system is forcing us into these diversity boxes. Yeah. And this is as much well. And as the one a, thing this, I did this like tokenism uh, is as much think, as a problem yeah. as, as everything else. The
0: one thing I like the most about that scene, uh, although maybe I don't know, it's interesting. So she's green, like she's new. She's new to the mm-hmm. force. You can see on her face that she feels like she has to stay there. But I love that Harry leaves, which gives her permission to leave, and she follows him out the door. Right. You know, so that's the moment where the partners are together. And Harry also resigns in the
1: scene again. What's that? Harry also resigns in the scene again. As usual. It's not as big. It's not as big a deal because it's happened so many times now, <laughs> ah. and it's not less time it'll even happen in this movie. <laughs> All
0: right, let's take a break, and then we'll come back and finish up with the Enforcer right after this. Go ahead and check out 2 T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. Here we are, back once again, talking The Enforcer. Tom and I are finishing up with this 1976 sequel, Differing Opinions.
1: <laughs> nah. some consensus too yeah sure I think we're both entertained by this
0: movie I am you know it's like I mean you referenced the you know the hardware scene earlier and he has to pull her away because uh, she's a woman. I can even remember thinking as a kid when I watched this movie that wasn't my takeaway. He wasn't pulling mm-hmm. her out of the way because she was a woman. I think it's just a good gag. And he's pulling, Mm -hmm. again, I always think of, like, he's pulling her away because she doesn't know. Okay. Why would she, why would any person that hasn't been in the military or been on the force long enough like Harry to know that there's a discharge from the back of a grenade launcher? We all do now because we watch the (laughs) A-Team. But, (laughs) why would somebody
1: in 1976 know? (laughs) The, the A-Team is not like a public information film. <laughs> you realise that, don't you? <laughs> um, however, if you, wanted to use, if you wanted to use any show for that purpose, The A-Team is... is That's is, the way to I go. I would listen to Mr. T. Uh, B.A. Barakas telling me that over anyone else. <laughs> no, and it's perfectly possible I'm reading way too much into this stuff. I just think this movie is so loaded with... With uh, gender stereotype and, and gender concerns on the surface, that I just, I, it's hard for me to think that these are accidents. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in the scene that we're at now, at Coit Tower, where um, Time Daily confronts Harry with the subtext of the movie, <laughs> <laughs> which is that his gun is a phallus. Yeah. Which is, you know, where she starts quoting from Laura Mulvey's *Visual Pleasure and Narrative Cinema*, which came out a year before, and rock the world of film and film studies academia altogether. Um,
0: now, you do know, you think? Femini- do you think it's possible this is, of filmic
1: imagery? Do you, you think know? this
0: is it's possible this was at her suggestion,
1: the actor's su- suggestion? I don't know. But it's, it's interesting, you know, that's what we said about Magnum Force, is that, you know, his gun is very clearly coded as his dick. And right. that's what she's saying to him here. And that's interesting to me because it's sort of like, you know. To be it's clear like to the audience, out, she's asking it's, it's him like like why he out uses Trump his... knows he's she... It's like finding out Trump knows he's evil. What do you do with that, yeah. you know?
0: <laughs> and specifically, like, you're referencing how she says, uh, you know, why do you use that gun, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And he's talking about. By,
1: by the way, by the way, we're stacking up the tourist landmarks here. Yeah, Coit Tower, City Hall, Transamerica Pyramid. We've had Giant Stadium, Golden Gate Bridge. It's all building up to Alcatraz, right? <laughs> it's the last. It's the last fucking one on the list. This is a. You could do a like a whole tour of San Francisco based only on this movie. <laughs> um, man, the kidnapping the rel- of that mayor is violent. In this, yeah, in the second half of this scene. Um, oh, yeah, and that's the other thing. Is like they show actual street signs. Right. As if they actually want you to piece this together as like a Well, real and I also had the map. sense
0: of, you know, because as they're walking down the pier, right, this is when they're having mm-hmm. that conversation. It starts at Coit Tower, and then they get an apple juice yeah, in lieu
1: of a beer and go down the pier. Okay.
0: But there's also that sense in this movie of, uh, is this the moment where they're going to become lovers?
1: Right. Which is an under, it's it's always left as an undercurrent. Right. Um, But I feel about this
0: movie kind of like I did about Rocky Balboa. I'm glad they never
1: went there. Yeah, I'm glad they never went there, but they didn't even need to go where they did. Yeah, all right. Uh, in this, I'm not talking about Rocky Balboa. No, yeah, which yeah, as yeah. We yeah. know is unassailable, um, <laughs> at least to you and me. Uh, she does her own. She does her own version of the. They call me Mr. Tibbs. Yeah, right. Here she says she this, really does. Well, you can call me Inspector Moore, and I like that a lot. Yeah, uh, and obvious. So it's obvious to me that whoever is behind this movie is is thinking about women's rights and bringing those issues into the movie. It's really more about how they do it, for me. Okay. I don't feel like this is... Like, someone who doesn't understand what's going on with women's rights in the mid-70s. Mm-hmm. But it's maybe too much of a reaction to it, rather than a discussion of it. Yeah. But you're also... Uh, yeah, and the, so they kidnap the mayor at Oh, back to Giant Stadium, right, aren't they? Um, which we've already seen in the movie. Yeah. Uh, again, the music... They're like referencing Herbie Hancock's Chameleon <laughs> in the music. It's kind of weird. I, I it's not that I don't like. Lo- I I love the. I like all the choices of the music. They just happen seemingly in at the, the wrong, wrong time, spots, in the wrong points. Um, and then we get a talk. Like the tip is called in by a, the ransom is called in to a talk DJ. Yeah. Right. A, set of, a your classic 70s talk dj who I, I fucking love this but i'm getting shades of uh Halloween 5 i'm getting shades of play misty for me oh yeah right which is Eastwood's first movie yeah. it came out about 5 years before and i think the northern Californianess of this movie yeah that's true reads to me the way it did in play misty for me like it it's like there's no other place this can be mhm and um, I wish that was done more elegantly. If that idea was done more elegantly, like in Hitchcock's Vertigo, where San Francisco is a character in the movie. Right. But you don't feel like you're being hit but over you're the not, head with, yeah. with tourist hardware in the same way. But it just, it's over. I, no wonder the next movie goes somewhere else. <laughs> right. Because they've got no more San <laughs> there, there's Francisco. There's no more real have. estate left. <laughs> um but I like I like that in a regional sense, like I I like even from the cold open, I'm like, yeah, this is Northern California. It could you could be nowhere else in the world mm-hmm. right now, and I think the t- the talk DJ and the play Misty for me kind of stuff really feeds into that. Um... <laughs> We're like second major, well, second second major chase sequence in this movie, which is is set place in a sauna, which we know is a really a well, no, we think it's a brothel, but it's not even a brothel. It's a place where you go and have sex with a sex doll. Yeah, I was gonna... Oh, yeah, that's an true. O- an old lady's. I kiss, was going to say it. Kiss letters. <laughs> <laughs> I I was a bit. I was all at sea. The se- in this sequence. <laughs> I didn't know what to make of it. I thought I'd fallen asleep and started. You're right.
0: It. When 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 he walked into the room and the doll was there. I,
1: this is your every which way
0: but loose. Yeah, I mean you can. I really had that a lot of question marks.
1: <laughs> You're right the in the lost ladies, and Sea see the metaphor. old ladies kissing the well. Well, I mean it. It sort of becomes an entirely comedic sequence. Yeah. Like once he goes through the door, right? That's sort of only because he's going undercover. He's pretending to be someone else. Again, we're like, it's like an extension of the pilot bit in the last movie you mm-hmm. know harry's going undercover he's pretending to be someone else it's fun and Clint eastwood does it well so let's do it again right. in this new context but the only moment that kind let's of let's like... finish it up with some police brutality right yeah <laughs> like the only bit that jars me is when he you know he, he's like throttling a, a sex worker who has done nothing to it right exactly It's just like, it's like, whoa, it just feels and again, it feels like you're making a movie about, you know, women in the police force. Well, and I think have seen. Yeah, exactly. There's there's that.
0: And then. And then on top of it, there's that idea of. These movies kind of give a sense about justice in America, in which uh, if you're doing it for the right reasons or to get the right information,
1: then it's all okay. and that's and not that, how the law normal, is set up. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, that... yeah, and that's and it and that often checks out. Just in this scene, it really takes you aback. Yeah. It's like regardless of what you think about sex workers in the mid seventies, and you know, probably there'd be a, a a number of people in the American public who would think they were indecent criminals. Mm-hmm. But even if you think that, you're like, but she's not done anything. Yeah. Right. She's innocent. She's innocent of of. of you know, she doesn't deserve violence, like random violence attacks on her. You know, it's... Uh... And if you think about it, in the last movie, we made so much of, you know, the, the the prostitute and the pimp and what a tragedy was that she was killed in such an awful way. Mm-hmm. To just kind of casually blow off a throttling like this. Yeah, right. A little, a little odd. Um, and obviously the, the plunger in the face. <laughs> you know i did expect clyde to come through the door really. <laughs> right turn clyde um it was a right turn yeah uh, <laughs> uh, and this is what like this is this this part of the movie reminded me that things are more languid than they should be in this In this tight ninety-minute movie, it's like, why are we seeing Carrie watching TV at a bar at this late point in the movie? (laughs) There should be some forward momentum. We've just had a whole kind of every which way but loose scene. Now he's watching TV in a bar, like Doctor Daniel Chalice. It's, (laughs) it's like, come on, guys, let's 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 keep moving. Let's go, let's go. You only got ninety minutes. (laughs) I know. It's like you're nearly done, Um, but then you know. It kind of again the movie rescues itself with its characters and performances because we find out the the priest that we saw earlier. I was going like to say one scene character is part of the conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, and it's brilliant. It's, it's great, absolutely brilliant, 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 brilliant. And then we get to Alcatraz, right? Which, fascinatingly, I think because. I always like to look at, especially with these movies where I can't remember which one's which, I like to look at the, <laughs> the uh, little blurb that they have on whatever streaming service I'm watching them on. Sure. And this was this was HBO Max for this one. Um, and the blurb was something along the lines of, you know, radicals take Alcatraz and Harry and a new female partner have to right, uh, deal with it. I was like, okay. So I was spending the entire movie thinking, waiting for it to come. <laughs> it's like, the, and it is, it's the final set piece yeah. of the movie. But ha- having seen the whole movie, uh, I'm like, well, you know, it's kind of not a bad description of this plot as it goes. Right. What else are you going to say? Perfect, but you could have. What else are you, you going to say? Said, After getting yeah. transferred
0: to personnel, Harry, <laughs> Harry goes on a foot chase with his new female
1: partner that lasts quite a bit of time. Sticks a plunger in a woman's yeah. face, throttles her after <laughs> pretending to be a guy who wants to have sex with a sex doll. Yeah, exactly. Um, obviously, the, but also, <laughs> but then I was just like, so, so is this the rock? Is this where they got the <laughs> yeah, rock from? Exactly. It starts um, with that fire hose, which I thought was pretty, pretty, uh, Funny. I feel like my. I mean, it's not out of the realms of possibility that Michael Bay sees this movie and decides he wants to make a whole movie about this one scene, right? right. I mean, that seems like something yeah. that might have happened in Michael Bay's mind. Sure. <laughs> um, he's like, I'll just I'll add a James Bond element, and then there's your movie, and then done. It itself. Uh. And yeah, this is, I mean, when they're on the boat on the way out to Alcatraz, this is where the kind of romantic undertones start to peer their head above the precipice. Above the water, yeah. Yeah. But, and you're right, they don't go far with it where it gets distracting, but also. Doesn't have to be there at all. Doesn't have to be there at all. Um. Given that it's not going to go anywhere, I mean, is it just to show us that Harry could have her if he wanted to? I don't know what the meaning of anyway, Or maybe he's...
0: Was the idea... I see you as a woman now. Well, yeah, like, was the idea, you know, we, we referenced back to the last sequel with the picture of uh, his wife.
1: Uh-huh
0: on a you know so it's like are we going to get a, a a new picture in that frame right okay and then there's the I tragedy like of her not being able to <laughs> be in that frame oh, at so, all. You,
1: right, okay yeah it gives it gives more stakes to to her surviving or not yeah um Although we know she's in danger because she's Harry's partner. (laughs) She could die at any time. And
0: that's so let's, I mean, we'll have to talk about this, you know, so. Yes. I I should hope you want to talk about it as well. Kate Moore dies at the end of this movie, but she dies saving the mayor's life, saving Harry's life.
1: Right.
0: And being every bit as capable as Harry ever was, at least in my mind's eye. And I get what you're saying. You know, I think you referenced in our ranking episode that, uh, you know, everything that happens to her is undone because she dies. It's all yeah. in service. It's like she just. She... And
1: I totally forgotten that one of his partners had already died in this. movie. Yeah, so right. Don't throw the trope. On. We've had the trope. We don't need. But tropes.
0: I also think part of that or wrapped up in part of that is, again, it's a Dirty Harry movie. And if you're thinking you're going to make another one of these. Yeah, you're gonna start at zero again. So what do you, you know, you and so yeah, I'm not as offended by this ending as you are because to me she does everything right. Even though she herself is saying she screwed up, and Harry says, "No, you, you, you did great. You did, you know," um, mm. and you know, I'm a sucker for sacrifice. She sacrifices she sacrifices herself so that the mayor and
1: Harry can live. I will admit again though, you know, but that becomes a sexist trope of the woman always has to be the sacrificial lamb so that yeah. men, no. men yeah. can live. Yeah. And it's you know, you could switch that with if you if you co- if you thought of it in racial terms, if this was a well, I don't have to think about it. It happened in Magnum Force. Yeah. Well, I was gonna case. say you only have to go back one movie. <laughs> I was going to talk about uh, Wrath of Khan, but fuck that. I was mean, talking about Magnum Force. Um, and Paul Win- Winfield. Paul Winfield. Words, I di- right. I I died so the white man could live. <laughs> That's what he said about that um that role. Uh, and yeah. No, she absolutely becomes a badass in that scene, and she say, saves the mayor. Yeah. And she figures out how to use a gun. Um, but
0: uh, yeah, I just. There's the other repeating line like, you know, Harry says you can count on it or he says that throughout mm-hmm. this movie. Is is doesn't she say go get him and he says you can count on it? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh but yeah, it's it's the decision to But the other thing for me is that Given that this movie doesn't really care about continuity in any sense, it's like <laughs> we wouldn't need to see her again. That's no true. One would. No one would so mind. she didn't have
0: to die and you haven't
1: seen sunny again
0: yeah you wouldn't have to reference it not, it's not like anybody's gonna you're
1: are I'll give you that okay yeah uh but uh, yeah I I liked it up until the point that she was machine gunned down I liked the, the her saving the mayor I think that was a great moment for her um
0: well and I I will cop to the the one thing about that that's nonsense is she pushes him out of the way kind of you know straightening out her arms and then just stands in the doorway she could have just kind of tackled him and gone with him you, yeah. you know what i mean so
1: but that that's the sort of you know it's like you're 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 working towards fulfilling a formula rather right than, exactly and this movie is already that doesn't have a and that's what i mean by by virtue of in. this
0: being a dirty harry movie I don't know. Uh, you can let it off the hook. Yeah, I think I, a, I think I think can. It's a sound argument. Yeah, I think I can I, let I, it off the hook because, and that's yeah. the thing, like I I wrestled with, I, I really like Sudden Impact a lot, but Sudden Impact isn't really a Dirty Harry movie. So I think
1: Sudden Impact is a better movie. The Enforcer
0: mm. to me is a better Dirty Harry movie.
1: Well, I have sympathy with that argument. I wouldn't go that far, but I think you're on the right track. All right. Um, Harry resigns again or as I have it here Harry stays resigned again (laughs) because I don't understand his status in the police force anymore Um, so (laughs) so the next movie has to walk it back again (laughs) stop having him so so clearly resign make it ambiguous. What does he Leave does he throw his badge anger. away? I remember He says I, d- no he definitely says I'm he he says to the mayor I'm not doing this anymore. I don't know what the actual words are, but he resigns. Yeah, I
0: mean, he walks away from the mayor, but I always kind of took it as just a fuck you to a political guy. Not necessarily I'm quitting the force. Okay.
1: I don't know. Maybe. This would also be a good way to... The, you know, they, they this could be an end point in the series as well. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's the end of Dirty Harry, more or less. Um, and he didn't resign at the end of the last one. Do you know why he comes back? In world or in out of world? Out of world. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want... I like sudden impact so much. I probably don't want to know, but tell me anyway. It's not it's not
0: bad, really. Um Reagan? Ronald Reagan? No, it was some I think some magazine No, you said it's not bad, so it can't be Reagan. Some magazine <laughs> had a vote of oh. of like a list of like the actors and their most iconic roles and what you remembered, and like Dirty Harry with Clint Eastwood was so far up the list. I think maybe right under James Bond. Or no, because James Bond would have been... changed. I, 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 It was towards the top of the list that they said, hey, we should probably bring this guy back, don't you think? And that's why
1: Sudden Impact got made. That explains so much. Not only is it basically the, the print equivalent of the, um, the cartoon game in Rocky Balboa. <laughs> <laughs> also, the fact that when he comes back in Sudden Impact, which we'll talk about in the next episode, he's more James Bond than ever. <laughs> um... I, I I like the I like the melancholy ending so I was that's the, but, that was my
0: last question for you because they go back to him standing in front of her body with the melancholy music
1: right but that's that's not how it completely ends oh. <laughs> it ends with Bradford Dillman's voice over a megaphone. <laughs> From the helicopter in another Keystone Cops moment. <laughs> and I have to say, I like them both, but not together. Okay. Yeah. We do yeah, one you're or the right. Other. You do one or the other. N- I will never object to more Bradford Dillman. <laughs> Especially when he is like in full Keystones cop mode. It's fantastic. Like the you know, he they've just they basically they've saved the mayor. Right. And then we have a helicopter coming up. We concede to all your demands yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's not even a hostage anymore. It's all done. But again, like you know, this movie's comic timing and execution triumphs everything yeah. else, even at the expense of what they're trying to do. Right. Um very short credit check. Okay. Because they are very short credits. Yeah. I love the fact that in naming the people in the movie. Uh, a casual disdain for those characters comes through. So we have names like Freddy the Fainter, porno director. <laughs> yeah, exactly. These are kind of loaded right. loaded titles. Um and then I I was struck by how the credits play over like a still image of San Francisco from the water. Right. It's literally a postcard. I mean, the whole the whole movie has been kind of has been Leading towards this point where it has become an actual postcard. Mm -hmm. Because in so many ways, it's trying to be a moving postcard of San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, And I think the next two movies do the same. I think they always freeze frame at the end from this point onwards. Well, Um, there's always sort of a pulling away from whatever carnage just... Oh, and also, this is the second movie in a row... To end on a boat. Oh right, yeah. I mean, it's attached to an island. Yeah, but it still ends on a still boat. Still on a boat. Um. I don't think sudden imp. Well, sudden impact. Okay, so it ends. They all end on some kind of a dock, right? That's the link. The sudden all impact of sequels. That ends on a pier, like a kind of a. Well, uh, no boardwalk. On the water. No, Deadpool sure. ends on a definite pier. I, 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 that I remember, yeah. I, and I will never forget that the images from the end of the Deadpool. <laughs> but I'm sure sudden impacts ends on the water too. Oh well, we'll, well, we'll see. Because they're well, they're outside the building, aren't they?
0: Well, he, he, like the the prince come back or something.
1: Is San Paulo on the water?
0: Yeah, I mean, they're at the the carousel and all that stuff is by the water, right? Yeah. Well, that's where they end the movie. I thought they go somewhere else when the kid comes out with... And he says, the gun. The gun that the guy had on him. That was Sandra Aren't Locke's they gun. are under the
1: boardwalk, though?
0: I don't think so. I thought they go back to, like, the station. How he
1: comes out of the sea, doesn't he?
0: Well, at one point, yeah. But not the very end. Okay. Anyway...
1: Well, we'll talk about it next time. (laughs) Let's talk about the end of that movie when we're talking about that movie. (laughs) All right. Novel idea.
0: Well, you'll have to tell us what you think. Ladies and gentlemen, The Enforcer, what do you say? Is this movie a misogynistic piece of shit?
1: I didn't say that. I did That's such a misrepresentation of what I said. (laughs) Just because something is lacking doesn't mean it's evil. <laughs> or does it Jesus have something Christ. to say
0: about gender?
1: Or is it the greatest movie of all time? <laughs> it's one of those two. <laughs> there's no gray there's no gray area between that. Jesus. You'll have to tell us what you think. <laughs> so
0: find us on Facebook Instagram or Twitter <laughs> send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com for Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions Michael Schantz here of the How Dare you Awards say goodbye Tom
1: personnel
0: that's for assholes that's for assholes
1: <laughs> fucking love that line I'm gonna say that's my favorite line of the movie So and it's his delivered Perfect. Point.
0: I wrote that line down and gave it an
1: asterisk and two fucking exclamation points. Loved it. I also think I think if you were playing a game of Dirty Harry or McGarnacle, yeah, you'd throw <laughs> yeah in. you throw that exactly. You throw that in as the Red Harry, yeah. didn't you? Who said this? Who said who said it? McGarnacle or Dirty Harry? <laughs> I don't know what if I hadn't just watched the movies. I don't know which way I would go on yep. that one.
0: That's fantastic.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, coming up next is, of
0: course, Sudden Impact. We'll be talking about that next time. Until then.